You are listening to the Novatia Podcast. In this fifth episode of our podcast, I and senior editor Josh Doyle discuss China's Belt and Road Initiative with Amanda Hera. She is formerly a master's student at the Yonsei Graduate School of International Studies. She has also worked for two years as a lecturer at University of Colombo and is now back at Yonsei Graduate School of International Studies to pursue her PhD. We invited Amanda to this episode because she has written a very interesting article about the environmental implications of uh, the Belt and Road Initiative. You can find a link to her article in the description of this episode or at our website, novatiagsis.com. That's novatiagsis.com. So what is your main interest and what is your main research area? Uh, that's kind of why I'm lost right okay, now. Okay, yeah. But it would be something about development economics. Yoel yeah. can relate with that. He's also kind of lost right now. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, my, my thesis is one big, uh, one big mess right mess. now. Yes. <laughs> one big yeah. question mark. Yeah. So like if you just in, in big terms of so development economics, yeah. is this how you came into this, uh, this uh, like interest in Belt and Road? Uh, that thing came actually very, quite recently. Mm-hmm. I like uh, I got the chance to participate in this youth forum mm-hmm. uh, on Belt and Road Initiative Youth Forum. It was held like in this February twenty mm-hmm. sixth. So I I went that participate in that forum. Okay. So mm-hmm. there I picked up this interest uh, how green mm-hmm. BRI is. All right. So the Belt and Road Forum. So yeah. where that was arranged here in Seoul. Yeah, yeah, and so right. okay. it was arranged by Hangang Network and New Silk Road Institute. Okay. Yeah, they are right. right now doing the promotional activities. Okay. So it was a promotional activity. So yeah. do you feel like they were trying to kind of hype up the, the Belt and Road a little kind bit? Kind of, yeah. Trying okay. to raise the awareness and what mm. can be done through BRI. Okay. I think even like China, there was a professor, a mm. famous professor in that forum, a Chinese professor, and he was like saying, uh, even China is still learning. Mm-hmm. Even for China, this is a learning activity. Mm-hmm. So I think they are like trying to raise the awareness among the youth, among mm-hmm. the academia, what BRI can do, what it mm-hmm. can be utilized for. Okay. So for for the Belt and Road, uh, it o- is often criticized in many aspects. Yeah. Uh, and uh, especially like anything that China is trying to promote is yeah. often viewed by suspicion by many yeah. people, including myself. Oh. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm... Uh, I think there are definitely many, uh, as you say, learning opportunities, mm-hmm. and it's definitely better that you are engaging with China than disengaging. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you basically, in your article, mm-hmm. you talk about two scenarios yeah. uh, for uh, Belt and Road with regards to green energy. Yeah. So uh, could you explain what these two uh, scenarios are? You say there's one optimistic one and one that's yeah. more pessimistic. Yeah. 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 So uh, regarding the BRI, there are two institute like two questions main issues coming into front one is this how green bri mm-hmm. and the other one is this deb diplomacy yeah so in my article i touched upon this how green, green. bri all right so let's let's start with that one and then because you are from sri lanka so yeah. i really want to ask you about this deaf track diplomacy yeah. because we have a very very important example about that uh, okay so you want to start with deb diplomacy or no, you want to start l- in my article let's start with uh, with your article and okay. then we move away from it okay but, yeah. So the the green how BRI is green is it like uh, it's a it's a huge question. So mm. some are saying that the, the pessimistic side is saying actually the BRI is what BRI is trying to do is like 
push the dirty industries, sunset industries in China, because they are like now losing ground in China. So China is like pushing that into the developing countries mm -hmm. through BRI. So why are they losing ground in China? Uh, because uh, in China, like they, they have this huge air pollution problem. So mm -hmm. like they are leading in coal industries and coal energy. Mm -hmm. But Italy, it has led to like sort of uh, environmental problems. Mm -hmm. So China is like trying to get rid of coal industries and coal uh, power plants. They are reducing the uh, amount of coal that they are using. But still that the resources that they use for coal technologies are mm -hmm. still there. The manpower, the engineers. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they, are, they should be employed somewhere. So, so they sent them abroad. They are sent them abroad. Okay. So that is one pessimistic uh, aspect. Uh, on the other hand, they are just optimistic one as well, where uh, people think China is like, when they are like trying to reduce their coal dependency, they are trying to invest more in renewable energy. Mm -hmm. So they are now like kind of leading mm -hmm. in the renewable energy technologies. So in that sense, China China can export that technology through mm -hmm. BRI to the developing countries. All right. So that is the optimistic scenario. Okay. And do you think that there's potential for them to actually carry through with this? Or is it... I'm hopeful. I'm right. hopeful, hopeful for the sake yes. of the planet and okay. for the future. Yeah. But let's see. Have there been any signs so far that maybe that second positive optimistic scenario might come about? Uh, any, any evidence yet? Uh, seeing any good things? Yeah, that's like uh, uh, kind of difficult. Like uh, I have seen like there are like a lot of articles and a lot of statistics coming that half of uh, their energy investments are going into coal and subcritical coal technologies, mm. which is carbon intensive. Subcritical coal technology. Technology, yeah. It's like okay. uh, the technology which the carbon emission is so high. Right, mm -hmm. outdated. Okay. Outdated. Okay. It's outdated in China, but still new to the countries who are receiving these. Sure. Right. Like you said in your, in your article, are hungry for funds. Hungry and for funds, developing countries. Like most of the, these funds are going to Asia, South Asia and Africa. Mm. Right. So they are for them it's new technology sure. and they are like hungry for an electricity and energy mm -hmm. power plants. Mm -hmm. So China is pushing that mm. and some like statistics are still not clear because part of some of China's statistics are not publicly yeah. available. Yeah, and that's the problem, right? Yeah. Because a BRI project is like they have them all. I, I have uh, right on my computer here uh, this, uh, this graphic from. Uh, I can show you here. I guess we'll put this up uh, online when we show the okay. uh, the article as well. Uh, and there are BRI projects mm -hmm. all over the world. Yeah. I mean, they've just found 100-ish. Mm -hmm. But I think one problem is that as soon as China does any project abroad, they will yeah. kind of slap or they build, uh, sure. slap this label of BRI on it yeah. and in order to kind of get access to these yeah. funds that they have. Yeah. So you have all kinds of different from these really big serious infrastructure projects on, to the, like the smallest uh, like hospital clinic somewhere like mm -hmm. it, it's it's really uh, very difficult to kind of define the limits limits <laughs> the, yeah the road, it's, right? it's it's yeah. limitless and and there's yeah. like no headquarters or something it's like mm -hmm. still the initiative name yeah. and annually they hold the forums yeah so like the data is still quite not clear or transparent but with the available data some researchers have found that um, yeah, China is pushing the coal industries. This mm -hmm. is a dirty Belt and Road mm -hmm. initiative. So uh, about this Belt and Road Forum yeah. uh, that was uh, last month in, yeah. in April. 
Uh, oh, the, the recent forum. Yeah, the, the very recent, recent the, the forum. Yeah, in that forum also, these two issues were like the mainly discussed, mm -hmm. how green and mm -hmm. the debt diplomacy. All right, so how did China, if we start, since if we stick to the green track, yeah. how did China address this uh, this issue? Uh, yeah, the, I think Xi Jinping opened the forum like saying, Open, clean, green, BRI. Open, clean, green, BRI. BRI, yeah. yeah. So like some are like criticizing that it's just a slogan, but mm -hmm. in practicality, in reality, they are not sticking to that. Yeah. So uh, it's like still still we have to be hopeful that they would like reinvent according to this slogan. Yeah. 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 Do you think that, I mean, since like we mentioned, the BRI is going to be so far reaching and they've mm. got different ambitious projects in different parts yeah. of the world. You mentioned Africa. Could it be that, you know, some parts of the BRI will be very clean, will be very green and, uh -huh. you know, forward looking, uh -huh. whereas other places maybe in more countries that are further behind, yeah. you could get more dirtier technology. Yeah, yeah, it can be both. Yeah, in some way, like, it depends on the country who are receiving the aids as well. Right. So sometimes this country ownership plays a role. And if the leaders in that country, the recipient countries are so uh, so forward looking and thinking that, okay, we, we also want to go with green investments. So China, don't give us green in, uh, black investments, give us mm -hmm. green investments. If the country is like demanding like that, then in some countries, there would be a lot of green investments. Right. And in some countries, okay, we don't care about the planet. We just mm -hmm. need uh, your power plants. So give us a coal power plant. So mm. maybe, I mean, you know, it's easy to paint this all as China's fault or, or their give them credit yeah. because they're the ones, you know, driving the whole thing. Yeah. But at the same time, like you mentioned, it's also what the countries are willing to stand Step. up for or, yeah. or what they're willing to yeah. accept. So, yeah, China cannot just uh, come down on your country and do the investments. If the, if mm. the country who are receiving the investments also has a part to play. Yeah. That's why I said in my article that this is a kind of an equation. Mm. China, the green leadership and mm. the receiving country green ownership. They mm -hmm. have to own what they are receiving. I had a bit of a question. I mean, there's always the, the question of America here on the whole Belt and Road. Yeah. And they've, for better or worse, kind of, they seem to have taken the side that they're not really fans of it. Yeah. I mean, it, it just spells China expansion, which is something they've been trying to, you know, contain yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Um, so everybody signing onto the Belt and Road, I think is probably making them nervous in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I had a thought that wouldn't it be interesting that in, instead of criticizing the Belt and Road, mm -hmm. because in so many ways it is a good yeah. thing and it can be a good yeah, thing. Yeah. I wonder if the U.S., um, were to jump in and and help because certain countries, you know, might not be able to afford the greener side of it. Yeah. But if the U.S. or other countries pitched in to help them with that, okay. maybe you could convince them to make more responsible, more greener decisions, uh -huh. help them afford it, and you could, I mean, greatly improve I mean, the this, technology. This was a logic for a lot of the Western countries who joined the... Um, the Asian Infrastructure Investment mm -hmm. Bank. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was kind of seen as a failure on the U.S. side mm. uh, because uh, China started this this bank and then they invited uh, a lot of countries to join it and the U.S. and Japan uh, uh, declined to. But suddenly Great Britain was like, yeah, we're on it. And then a lot of other European countries, in, including Sweden, mm. um, joined it okay. uh, in, in different capacities. And I think it was a way to kind of balance China's influence in, within mm. their own institution. Yeah. Still, China owns the institution, but you can at least moderate their influence. Right. So this was the logic for, uh, for a lot of countries uh -huh. uh, to kind of balance a little bit. Okay. But do you think that uh, the U.S. skepticism to BRI is, like, is it warranted? Or do you think that, like Josh say, they should be more... Oh, uh, from like if you analyze it from a like political perspective, it's like United States is like good to be like cautious because then China is like kind of emerging, 
and they're like trying to balance the power balance in the world. So United States is kind of, it's given, right? United States would criticize this one. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, from an economics uh, perspective, yeah, if US can also join in, then the funds availability would increase and there would be a lot of opportunities for the countries to borrow from United States as well. But at the same time, the, the part of the thing that BRI is so uh, like, uh, uh, interesting and attractive for these developing countries is the this conditionality of mm-hmm. the aids that are given yeah. uh, is not that strict yeah. when it's coming from there's China. No, there's no conditionality there's at all. No, there's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, and as long as you repay us mm-hmm. and as long as you give us back and as long as you try to like at least employ half of our Chinese workforce, they are like okay with most of the projects. So could you uh, expand a little bit on this? Why is it so important for them with this conditionality that China does not offer as opposed to what? So, oh, so like uh, the you, most of the loans, like that's the criticism of the most developing countries that mm-hmm. most of the loans and aids coming from the Western part of the world are like kind of tied, conditional with the mm-hmm. human rights issues, something that are not relevant to the aids, yeah. like like maybe human rights or maybe environmental concerns or something like that, mm-hmm. and or maybe trade concerns. Trying are to use the loans to get the countries to behave in certain ways certain ways, way like maybe wants. like yeah so like the so the u.s uh, anthem is like democracy and yeah. human mm-hmm. rights right. so try to make these countries adhere to democracy or mm-hmm. human rights but not all the countries subscribe to that uh, dogma mm-hmm. that, that sure. policy right some are like no not it, it, the human rights comes later we mm-hmm. need to develop mm-hmm. so yeah that's uh, one thing that china really likes doing with this idea of relative human rights yeah that they really push for this this idea that whereas you have western uh, like you have the US and uh, particularly the EU mm-hmm. being very concerned about both material rights but also civic rights mm-hmm. like it's not just about the economy but also about uh, the uh, the f- uh, freedom of speech mm. and uh, all these kind of civic uh, human rights yeah. but china kind of prioritizes the economic, economic rights, rights yeah. and it becomes much more that's very attractive to yeah. a lot of countries, yeah, right? countries to kind of adapt that kind of idea yeah. do, do you see that as like china becoming some kind of uh thought leader maybe for for uh, developing countries like they could kind of uh, yeah maybe countries? like like yeah. for the developing countries who are like not subscribing to this democracy first uh mm-hmm. ideology they're kind of seeing China as an example because mm. China, without subscribing to democracy or, or to human rights things, they mm. developed. Mm. So that is what the developing countries are looking right now, how mm. to get developed. So do you think that that could be more of a long-term concern from the point of human rights, that the, the Belt and Road could be kind of not just a conduit for green energy or for uh, for all these beneficial things for, uh-huh. for these uh, countries, but also for a kind of worldview that just does not care that much about democracy? Uh, maybe in a way it can be a problem mm. uh, but on the other hand when the countries are developing uh, some 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 research are like arguing democracy comes first and mm. then the human rights and the mm. human development so yeah. maybe when these developing countries catch up with the mm-hmm. development of the western standards then the human rights would eventually develop mm. but we don't know all right Okay, so let's uh, let's move on to this idea of debt trap diplomacy because yeah. this is another uh, thing, and maybe you could ex- explain why this is particularly pertinent to uh, to Sri Lanka. Yeah, like uh, with the with Sri Lanka, though, I think the word is even coined the debt trap yeah. diplomacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
because we got into a huge debt with China mm. with this port development okay, thing. Okay, so uh, what happened in in that case? Uh, what happened is like in in Sri Lanka. Uh, maybe you all you know that there yeah, was a civil yeah. war. Yeah, yeah, I'm just uh, want to hear from from your point of view. Okay, okay. There was a civil war for thirty or so years, and yeah. in two thousand nine, the war came to an end. Yeah. And then the the government at that time was so enthusiastic about uh, going for development, but then again came this uh, human rights issues, and okay, you you defeated the terrorist. Uh, the, I was here. What about the human rights of the terrorist? Or some 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 things came up at the UN and and uh, then there was this problem of that Sri Lanka is a middle income country so that uh, the loans or the aids that we had access to were not that concessional as available to least developing countries mm-hmm. uh, so Sri Lanka was like so enthusiastic about development but at the same time the funds were not coming from the western part mm-hmm. of the country and not from the world bank or from the adb it was difficult to get that access those loans so china was there so so <laughs> uh, ready to uh, oh, uh, and yeah and china was like uh, we don't care about the sovereign you are, uh, the human rights things uh, the war there your sovereignty problems we don't care about that mm-hmm. as long as we can get to invest mm-hmm. and also uh, okay sri lanka is in a very strategically good position in mm-hmm. the indian ocean region south of, south of china uh, i mean india in which is a big regional rival of china china yeah. and also like access to major sea sea lanes and mm-hmm. the oil uh, Transport, yeah. yeah transportation is happening down there so yeah china was so enthusiastic having access to a port in there mm-hmm. so they uh, lent a huge amount and but the thing is this uh, port is not coming under bri it because bri came on 2013 yeah. this uh, port project started in 2008 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah so um, so and it was the first phase was opened in 2010 mm-hmm. so actually bri was that label was slapped later on mm-hmm. but this uh, thing happened before bri mm-hmm. uh so anyway from the point of uh, like china landed and but the port did not uh, make profits okay and first. why was that uh the first thing is this uh this port the place that is situated in hambantota it's mm-hmm. not well developed mm-hmm. so actually the at the time the president who was in power his his uh village was in that area ah. so he wanted to develop his village to show to his uh, people ah, okay mm. i'm i'm doing something for your village to my village so he uh, so he developed this port mm. actually there there was an ancient port there so there was the potential mm. but still the area was not developed to handle to cater to a port they have the infrastructure mm. for yeah. trucking mm. things in yeah so out. it was not well connected to the capital mm-hmm. city so like if the po- if a port is built there it should be connect well connected to the capital sure. but it was not ca- connected to the capital or to neither of the other regions of the country mm-hmm. so he just implemented just planted a port there mm-hmm. thinking that it would be profitable mm-hmm. and also i think they did not plan ahead that like uh, something like a port it takes like some years to become profitable mm-hmm. sure. so you have to incur some losses at the beginning mm-hmm. but i think they did not take that into account mm-hmm. and so the port was loss making right from mm-hmm. the beginning and uh, then there was payback issues mm-hmm. for the loan mm-hmm. because the port is not making profits how yeah. to pay the loan so they have to actually pay the loan out of the colombo port which was operating more profitably mm-hmm. so like the Colum- uh, profits coming from the colombo port is going to the payment of the loans of the hambantota port mm-hmm. so then uh, yeah the government was like okay we are trapped or otherwise we have to increase your taxes what to do and then they went for a debt equity swap 
So now 75% of seven, no, 70% of the operations are now owned by a Chinese company, mm-hmm. but the port is still owned by the by Sri Lanka, but it's okay. leased to 99 years mm. to it's, China. It's leased to them. Okay. okay. Yeah. So effectively owned. Uh, yeah, effectively <laughs> owned. Okay. Was, but like, and there was this huge thing. Like the chi- India was so angry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> India was imagine. like, uh, "You are giving this tra- strategic port to China. Yeah. What are it, you going?" Because it's a deep water port, right? And it's it's right in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's so it, it is it is much closer to the uh, sea routes than even mm-hmm. the Colombo port. So but where, sorry, where was India when this was all happening in the early stages? To be like, this isn't a good idea. Why don't you look at this strategically? You know, maybe they could help out with some uh, loans. No, India was not at the time like looking because India also like uh, you had to think like India is like the big country in the region, but still it's not economically that uh, powerful to uh, meddle with the con- other countries in the region. Mm-hmm. So they don't overlook everything that is happening in the small regions right. because they have their own problems to solve. Sure. So, yeah. but when this was happening, okay, when the news was going around, oh, this port is going to be going to China, India mm-hmm. was like so angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, w- what about the Sri Lankans? Like, how, how did did you feel about? Uh, um, this most, kind of yeah, most of the Sri Lankans, the reaction was like they were so angry because, like, we are losing one of our assets to another mm-hmm. country, and we are giving a foothold to another country to be in, inside our boundaries, mm-hmm. China. So, yeah. we we are always quite sensitive, like. We we didn't like India to meddle with us, but now we are li- giving China the chance to meddle with us. So mm-hmm. the people are so angry for and were like they were blaming the government. Like anyway, a port is a profitable investment in the long run. Mm. So if we are giving this to China, we are losing that profit. Yeah. We are mm-hmm. losing that chance. Yeah. So the people were angry. It's like okay, bear the losses and still go on, go ahead with the port until it becomes profitable. Yeah. But the Government was like so, like we cannot, we cannot drag on with this debt. We are mm-hmm. so much in debt. So it, it it is like not with the just with the debt with, for China, but for other countries as mm-hmm. well. There's a lot of debt. So, so I heard in in uh, Sri Lanka, China does a lot of things like except the port. For mm-hmm. example, they're building a completely new uh, district outside of Colombo, uh, which is the capital Col- of Sri Lanka. Yeah, Colombo port city. They, they are interested ah. in Colombo port as well because yeah. Colombo port is uh, well developed and handling a lot of cargo at the moment and. Yeah, it's a leading port in South Asia, Colombo mm-hmm. port. Uh, so the the Colombo port expansion that was also in uh, like a plan the government had. So China mm-hmm. jumped in. Mm-hmm. So uh, okay. they are developing and actually like they are like uh, reclaiming land. Like oh, okay, yeah, they yeah, they like doing that. They have, the, they've had a lot of practice in, in yeah, filling, yeah, filling yeah. up the sea and S- expanding the land area. Right. So that expanded land area it says would belong to China. Oh. Like, like kind of out of like 99 year lease something uh-huh. so that uh-huh. expanded reclaimed land so technically yeah, they're not building a sou- just south china sea it's like south asia as well so, yeah huh? is there a reason that sri lanka um that the government is is allowing this to happen now like was this connected to the original port or after you know the they had to let go of the first port why is then why are they working with china on this uh, new city yeah it it was a pre, like the previous government the the president that i mentioned who came from hambantota area president mahinda rajapaksha in his government like he was very much leaning towards china mm-hmm. yeah, after, after, yeah, he's the he's the president who was in charge when the war came to an end and when the un and the us and the eu were like pushing on human rights at the you know human rights council he he lent on like he was leaning on russia and china 
so then when china like okay we are interested in developing this and this and we also like looking for investments mm-hmm. those two project not not uh, colombo port hambantota port and also there was a power plant coal power plant oh, so all all this came with uh, china at that time mm-hmm. we, we were like leaning like we were being very friendly with china and the mm-hmm. president was very friendly with china okay. and at and at the time like when these things were happening india was like okay you know you you are leaning why are you leaning that side mm-hmm. and also united states was also not happy mm-hmm. and but then uh, the government changed mm-hmm. then government changed and the next government was like trying to balance it now mm-hmm. they were now trying to balance it with the united states they were trying to be a bit friendly with united states as well to, to mm-hmm. balance it out uh, so they tried to uh stop the colombo port mm-hmm. uh, project development mm-hmm. project with china yeah uh but uh, but the agreement was so like so long gone it's already mm-hmm. yeah, done okay. it's already done so and china was like okay if you are going to stop this right in the middle we want this amount of money paid back we have already invested that china uh-huh. was like so strong on that i think china was not want to let go of hambantota port or either colombo port because it's in the strategically important yeah. place sure Do you think this might be hard to speculate on but do you think that this was they set out with bad intentions from the start? I mean uh-huh. was would did they loan too much for mm-hmm. for the situation? Did they know it wouldn't be profitable? Do you think they went into it hoping that it would turn out this way? Um I don't I, I don't know. I I cannot I cannot know what was going on in their minds right. but uh in a way I don't think that China thought that it this would be like this. I think uh they they thought that uh, since this both of the ports are situated in a in a strategically important location mm-hmm. it would be profitable. Right. The problem was with with the Sri Lankan government. Mm-hmm. They didn't plan ahead. They didn't mm-hmm. have a vision how to manage the funds mm-hmm. and there was huge corruption from that side from the government mm-hmm. side. So even the funds that came through China it said like half of it was like looted away mm. from, through the corrupted politicians so wow. actually the debts are also like we are paying for the, their corruption as well yeah. so the money that could have been used for profitable operation of the mm-hmm. port is right. actually now in the pockets of the politicians mm. so, so these like strategic advantages that china is gaining you mm. said they are they make india very nervous yeah japan has been very critic uh, like very critical yeah. of the belt and road um and they also haven't joined uh, the uh, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. Yeah. Uh but what is India and Japan are they offering some kind of alternative? Uh that Africa Asia Africa growth corridor? Yeah, that's the one. I yeah, was yeah. Uh, I was thinking I, I I because you brought this up to me in email yeah. before this uh, uh yeah. before this uh, recording of this podcast yeah. and I was like I have never heard of this before. Uh, yeah, so could could you talk a little bit about that? I I also like heard it like quite very recently. So India like as a solution for this like China's invasion into the Indian Ocean region it's not just Sri Lanka India is like uh, like the China is investing in Maldives in Bangladesh in Nepal Bhutan Pakistan and Pakistan is a major concern for India kind of got India surrounded yeah, yeah in, uh, India is the only country that did not participate in this uh, BRI forum recently yeah. as well So India is like as a solution to this china's invasion into the indian ocean region so like they india is trying to have built up a partnership with japan to mm-hmm. invest in uh, these asian and african countries and try right. to like reclaim some ground from yeah. china well they've also i mean there was what the the us used to term at the asia pacific um i don't know what the full term is but they're they're changing that now to the indo pacific ah. um uh, pact 
Oh, goodness, I should know this one. I should, uh, I, should, I should as well. But basically, they're 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 trying to broaden out as well. They're trying uh-huh. to get India more involved in their Asia Asia yeah. Indo Pacific operations yeah, and right trying to counterbalance yeah. all this influence. Yeah, until until China came into the South Asian region, no one was interested about South Asia. Right. No one yeah. was because like uh, India was there, so everyone thought it's, it's like the India's territory. Mm-hmm. No one wanted to, and and surprisingly, United States never intervened into that area. Yeah. Like United States has bases on East Asia in every possible place, they, they but do not have one in the Indian Ocean, though. At uh, uh, oh shit, Diego Garcia or something outside, uh, close to the Maldives, I think. Uh huh. There's like a there's one military base that they share with the UK in the middle of the Indian uh, Ocean. But it's not that prominent, like yeah. in like in Korea yeah, or in it's Japan. Yeah, not, like not at all like that. It's yeah. not prominent. It's like yeah. it's like the India's territory. For a long time, India was uh, with the idea: oh, this is our our territory. These mm-hmm. are like our small brothers that we can influence all the time. Mm-hmm. Until China came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now, like all the all like uh, the U now when the, when the United States is like including uh, trying to come into South Asia. China is so aware of its China's presence. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, South Asia has become so interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into the Novasia podcast and joining the conversation on global affairs. If you would like to pitch us an article or join the podcast, please send us an email at novasiamag at gmail.com. That's Novasia, M-A-G, at gmail.com. And don't forget to give us a follow on social media, and we'll see you next time.